Let's praise the King. Oh, Father, I welcome you in this place tonight. This Wednesday night, God, that we get to come and worship you as a worship, as a as a team, as a as a uh, as believers, all all together in one accord, worshiping and praising you, Father. We get to come before you and glorify your holy name. What an honor and what a privilege it is, Father. You don't owe us anything. We don't even deserve what you give us, Father. We deserve so much worse. What a blessing it is to be honored, to be able to walk into the presence of the King. You're a good God, wonderful God, majestic in all your ways. Prince of Peace and bright morning star. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. And I will sing of the goodness of God. Lay down, surrender now. I 
give you everything Your goodness is running out It's running after me It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me My life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running
inside my sails. Oh, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. Oh, the anchor of my days. Oh, he is my song. You are Let me 
redeeming what was lost and all that could happen. Oh, this is a healing kind of love. You are the truest faith. Staying through the night when I was at my end. Comforting my heart till it was light again. Oh, this is a faithful kind of love. Everlasting Father. Wonderful counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders. Your shoulders, you are the final, and you alone decide when every page will turn. So I will trust your timing, I will rest secure. No, this is a steady kind of love. You're the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us, you hear. is resting on your shoulders. Oh, oh, you know, I think about the fact that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and always. And I, and I know we say that and we know that, but to dwell on that thought... The same God that parted the sea, the Red Sea, with the breath of his nostrils is the same God that prepares a dry ground for me. And the same God that was there in the fiery furnace, it didn't look like he was going to come through. And they said, we know our God is able, but even if he doesn't do anything he's still good even if we don't see a miracle even if we don't see him intervene in this situation we know that he is still good they chose to still praise him not knowing if he was going to come through in that moment or not I think about Job who had everything ripped from him he was righteous. It says that he was blameless in God's sight. And 
and yet he did not slander God's name because he knew God was still good. Even when he didn't understand, he still cried out. He cried out. He, he didn't understand. He asked God why. He, he was in agony and he didn't understand, but he knew God was still good and still in control. And that same God that was there in all of those circumstances that was there back then, that was there through the New Testament, the same God that sent his spirit in the upper room and that same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us when we choose to believe on Jesus and confess him as our Lord and Savior. That is the same God that is watching out for us. That is the same God that is still faithful with us. That is the same God that is still good to us when we don't deserve it and when we can't earn it. He's still good. He's everlasting. He's everlasting. So no matter what my circumstance may be, whether mountaintop or in the valley, I know my God is so good, so I'm choosing to still praise Him anyway. Lord, even when we don't understand and we can't comprehend, when we need a miracle but we don't see a way out, God, when it doesn't look possible, when it doesn't seem like you're going to come through, God, we still choose to praise you. We still choose to praise you because you are still good. From everlasting to everlasting, you never change. You are still good. Sing this out with me. You are the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us, you're here with me. Wonderful Counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders. Your shoulders, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you're here with me. Wonderful Counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders.
beautiful counselor, the covenant is resting on your shoulders, your shoulders. So let it pass. I can sense my whole life a fragrance every broken at your feet and every breath in all the free my heart cries these lungs sing over you my worthy king of kings so we just talked about how he's good no matter what so if he's good no matter what he's still worthy of praise no matter what He's worthy of everything I have, no matter what. So let it pass. I can sense my whole life a fragrance every ounce. You're broken at your feet. And every breath in all the free, my heart cries. These lungs sing over you. My worthy King of Kings, sing it again. Let it rise. I can sense my whole life a fragrance every ounce. Here broken at your feet. Sing it out every breath. And every breath is an offering. My heart cries. These lungs sing. Over you, my worthy King of Kings. Over you, my worthy King of Kings. Over you, my worthy King of Kings. And over you, my worthy King of Kings. Oh, over you, my worthy King of Kings. All my love, all my love, all my love, you can have it all. All my love, all my love, all my love. All my love, all my love, all my love. You can have it all, all my love, all my love, all my love. You can have it all, all my heart, all my soul, all I own. You can have it all, all my heart, all my soul, all I own. You can have it all, all my heart. All my soul, Come on, all I own, you, you can have it all. Is he worthy? All my heart, all my soul, all I own, you can have it all. All my heart, all my soul, all I own. Oh, all my heart, all my soul, all I own, you're worthy of it all. All I own. 
The power yours is the glory 
forever all Oh, when yours is the kingdom Yours is the power Yours is the glory forever Amen Yours is the kingdom Yours is the power Yours is the glory forever Amen Yours and Yours is the kingdom Yours is the power Yours is the glory forever
fix our eyes on the King of glory. We fix our eyes on the King of glory. Oh Lord, there's no one like you, no one like you, no one like you, Jesus. began to sing that bridge there my beloved is most beautiful among thousands and thousands I had a thought come to mind that I've never ever and that is that followers of any other religion that type of wording would not be found a Buddhist isn't going to be saying that a Muslim isn't going to be saying that a Jew is not going to be saying it's because the God that they serve in, in many cases is a God within themselves or a God of dominion and conquering and warfare and all those things but we see Christ and and he's not only Messiah he's not only our Savior he's not only Lord he's not only King but he is the beloved of our heart and and that just hit me for the first time and 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 all my life I'd never never thought of that and I thought how incredible, what a privilege it is to be able to say those words and know that only believers in Christ can sing those song, that song. The Bible says we're called to be the body, but we're also called to be his bride. He's our bridegroom. And so here we are singing, my beloved, most beautiful among thousands 
thousands. Can we sing that one more time? Just that, that one. Beloved, it's the most beautiful among thousands and thousands. My beloved, it's the most beautiful among thousands. Thousands, my beloved, is the most beautiful among thousands. And thousands, my beloved, is the most beautiful among thousands. Lord, we just praise you tonight. Thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence, Lord. Lord, and I am yours. 
here tonight you need a touch in your body James like some of you just can't see you in the back I'm sorry there you are April okay James and April why don't y'all get go lay hands on them be, this is the time to be the church lay hands on James lay hands on April need a touch in their bodies in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way, wonderful. You're our healer. You're our deliverer. Wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way. Wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way. Jesus' name, 
started last week and we just read the same scripture again in first corinthians 12 verse 12 and verse 27 it says the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts and though all of its parts are many they form one body so it is with christ and then verse 27 says now you are the body of christ and each one of you is a part of it and so we, we t I titled it simply You, Me, and Everyone Else. And so I want to do a real quick review of the part that we did last week for anyone that wasn't here or hadn't had a chance to see it or watch it online. We just said from the very beginning, we said the most exciting thing that the Holy Spirit can teach us is that we, we are different. And um, different gifts, uh, different talents, different passions, different weaknesses, different strengths. And whether we know it or not, we complement each other. And that without one another, we are incomplete. As individuals, we're incomplete. Uh, as a whole, as a body, as a fellowship, as the church itself, we're incomplete. And yet, as much as we are different, we are the same because we have same problems, same joys, same desires, same struggles. And there's a phrase throughout the New Testament um, over 60 times that says one another and 40 or oh, more than 40 times the Apostle Paul uses it and in regards to specific commands not suggestions and not options but commands in relating one to another as as believers in Christ and so 
we went through four of them last week. I, I think it was just four. And, and I'm just going to review them real quick. And the first one is that we are members one of another. And we use Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, for it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And there were three things that I pointed out in that. And that was the first one was that members of the body cannot work independently of, of one another. We are united. We're connected. We, and we have to understand that. The second one was that each member profits from each other's part. So you are a blessing and benefit to me. I want to be a blessing and benefit to you. We, all of us, that's our part. And then the third thing is that when we realize that we're all part of the body of Christ, it causes us to appreciate each other, or should cause us to appreciate each other's person uh, gifts regardless of what those gifts may be. The second thing I pointed out was that we, that we are commanded to be devoted to one another. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And the word devoted um, in the Greek is always used with family ties. Um, in other words, we are to be devoted to one another as a family member is devoted to one another. Now, in our day and age with so many dysfunctional families, that's hard for us to grab a hold of. But this is biblical. This is what the Bible says, that, that this relationship we have, we, we just can't say, oh, that's my brother, or oh, that's my sister. Just like, in other words, we, we may have the same mom and, and daddy, you know, but that's as far as it goes. No, we, it, it, it's not that way. In fact, it's, um, the, the relationship cannot be a passive one. It has to be something that we pursue and that we want and we desire because the church is family. Okay, the church is family. Um, the third thing was honor one another above self. Uh, again, Romans 12 and 10 says, honor one another above yourselves. And so Paul is saying that in this relationship in family, there's no room for rights or privileges. Can't have any favorites. You know, you've heard that said before among siblings, you know, well, mom loves you better, or dad loves you better, or so-and-so loves you better. Okay, I'm back. And uh, you can't shut me up that quick. <laughs> anyway, um, and so he's saying that there's no rights for uh, privileges or honor. Um, there's no room for you to demand your way. Um, and I use the example, if you remember, of a musician uh, who's, who's playing an accompaniment part for a singer. That the person in, on, the, on the stage is the singer. It's not the person at the piano or the guitar or whatever instrument it may be. Um, it's not, the musician is there to make the singer sound better. And, and so a lot, that means there's no room for competition. There's no room for, um, like, uh, well, they get all the limelight. They get all the attention, that kind of thing. Um, we, within the body of Christ, we are to build up one another, okay? We're to make each other sound good, look good, be better, all right? And then the fourth one was that we are to be united with one another. Romans 15 and 5 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus or according to the will of God in Christ Jesus. And there's two things 
that's there. And the first thing that pointed out was that the unity of the body of, of God, uh, uh, the, the, of the body is governed by the will of God. We're to be of the same mind of Christ according to his will. And, and in other words, we don't vote on it. You know, are we going to be united or not? You know, I mean, that is the will of God, that the church be united. And then, and the reason for that is because when we do that, that unity points to the Father. It points to the Father. And uh, Romans 15 and 6 says, So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we stopped last week. So we're going to pick up from there on some of these commands. And the fifth one is, the Bible says we're to accept one another. Accept, not accept. Okay? <laughs> and um, uh, it says, uh, Romans fifteen seven says, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Chapter 14 of Romans deals with this whole concept of, of acceptance, okay? And so in this passage, he's talking about, in light of all of that, you need to accept one another. In other words, we're to welcome one another. Paul is saying to the body of believers, he's saying, quit having such a critical spirit. Uh, quit being judgmental. Don't be a nitpicker about little things, you know. Quit looking around for those who are not as mature in Christ and or shaking your heads at them when they, you know, just thinking, when are they going to ever grow up or when are they ever going to get their act together or whatever. He, it, what he's saying is that there is, uh, in case there is any misunderstanding of what Paul is saying here, he's saying, He's saying, do this just as Christ accepted you. So how did Christ accept us? He accepted us with all our faults and our, our, our problems and our issues and, and, and our, the way we were and everything else. He says, so you're to accept one another in the same way that Christ accepted you. In other words, Paul is saying, if you're having a difficult time accepting someone, remember you're not so hot yourself. That's my translation. You know, but it kind of fits, right? You know, just look in the mirror once in a while and go, yeah, you don't have it all together either, you know? So if Jesus loves us like we are, then who are we to put a higher demand on others? If we're, if we're of one in Christ, then we are to accept one another. Um, number six says to instruct one another. Again, Romans 15 verse 14 he said, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. That's a powerful statement for Paul to make concerning the believers in Rome. He said, I am convinced that you are full of goodness. How many people in church could say that about everybody in church? You know, like... You know, I know most preachers would think, man, they full of the devils, what they full of, you know. I mean, you know, but uh, that's what he says. And he says, and complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. So what we just read is that Paul says we're to accept one another. And then he says we are to instruct or admonish one another. Um. It's hard to receive from somebody that you're convinced doesn't like you. 
Come on. Let's be real. Or thinks they're better than you. Or has that attitude of like, hmm, you know. And then they're going to say, let me tell you, let me help you. Or, you know, they, I don't care how they phrase it. In that moment, you're just shutting them down. You're not hearing anything. So he's, tell, he's saying, first of all, you have to accept one another with all, if I could say it this way, with all our bumps and bruises and warts and everything else, you know. You have to accept one another. As, and then he says, and then you are competent, should be competent enough to instruct and admonish one another. So the word is teaching us balance here. The word's teaching us acceptance and admonishing. Just because we accept doesn't mean somebody's arrived or that they don't need help or they don't need instruction or they don't need um, admonishing. Um, this, this verse is saying you should be able to do that, but there's two qualifications that it says. And the first one says this. He says you must be full of goodness. Because look what it says. That I am, I'm, he says, I'm convinced of it, that you are full, that you yourselves are full of goodness. So if, if your heart is not good, your heart is scheming, your heart is looking down on others, you are not in a place to admonish or to instruct. You have to be accepting. And then it goes on and says, and we have to know what is right. He said, I'm convinced that you are competent enough in, and that you are complete in knowledge. Obviously, Paul wasn't thinking that they had reached the pinnacle of knowing all truth. But what he was saying was that you are in a place of accepting one another and growing together and that you can learn from one another, and you can admonish. Admonish, you know, I, I, we don't use that word really, you know, to think about it. Instruct, maybe we can, we can understand that. But really what it is, it's this concept that we can learn from one another. We can learn from each other's stories. We can learn from each other's experience. We can learn from their testimonies. And so, in other words, to admonish uh, another, we must know and do what is right with all goodness. And so that's, a, that's something to strive for. Acceptance. And then is our heart good? Is our heart pure? Is our, our, our motives good? All of that. Then there's another command, and it says to greet one another. Romans 16. Notice most of these are in Romans. And it says Romans 16, 16. And it goes on, it says, greet one another with the holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And what Paul's saying here is that we are to be hospitable to one another. We are to be warm to one another. We are to look, this is, this is why I kind of summed it up. We are to look forward to being with one another. Just this last, uh, the last couple of weeks, there's been several articles in Christian periodicals and, and online um, uh, articles and things like that about uh, the concept of going to church to, or attending services, church services together in person versus online. And of course, with the COVID thing and all that, that really pushed the online thing. 
And, um, but they were talking about the fact that surveys were showing that, that attendance is down, personally down, and uh, people are saying they're watching online, but actually the numbers show fewer and fewer are watching online also. And, and when you ask them when they're watching online, most of the time they'll tell you is they, they've quit watching because they don't get as much out of it. <laughs> so, okay, wait a minute. You're not coming, so you're watching online, but you quit watching online because you're not getting as much out of it as if you were coming. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, does that make sense? But that's, that's what... That's what uh, surveys are showing. And uh, so Paul is saying, you need to greet one another. And that's not like, hey, how you doing? Fist bump, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's the idea of looking forward to being with one another. Get looking forward to it. Um, and he, it, it's, it's a cultural thing here when he would put, greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, I remember when we first moved to South Louisiana, my wife and I, we moved from Alabama to Thibodeau. And they had greeters at the door, and they believed in that holy slobber. That's what I called it, man. I was like, the first time I walked through the door, and this old Cajun grandma just grabbed my face, and she planted this holy slobber on my lips. And I, re I, I remember taking my mouth and I couldn't, and I ran straight to the pastor's office. I said, they're, they're kissing people at the front door. He goes, that's the Cajun way. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I mean, it, it, they really did. And, and after a while, it got to be a problem. And, and when a fight broke out one time, when this visitor came to the church, and some grandma tried to kiss him on the lips and eat. And his wife just hauled off and slapped grandma on you. And I said, okay, good. We found a reason this really happened. Yeah, it really did. And um, uh, so, but he's, 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 he's talking about this idea that greeting one another with a holy kiss. It's, it's like when the body comes together, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And we should be looking forward to that and everything else. My wife's looking at me back there because she knows I'm going to tell this story. And um, do what? No, you're not getting another outfit. You just got something in the mail from Amazon. I know you did. <laughs> and, um, uh, but uh, when we were dating, um, she, she lived with her mom, and, and her mom's house was at the end of a cul-de-sac. And so I would get, a, I worked three jobs when I was in high school. And uh, my senior year, um, I would get off like at midnight, one in the morning from a hamburger place. And then at 4.30, I'd get up and go deliver like 500 newspapers before going to school. And I said, but when I would get off work, I would run by her house and I would drive around the cul-de-sac real quiet and then I'd sneak to the mailbox and I'd put a little note in the mailbox and with a paper clip because her mama used to have a clothesline uh, uh, thing you know on, on there and she'd put her bills on it for the mailman to get and so I would slip it inside the mailbox and um, and then I'd ring her phone one time and hang up and she knew that that meant I left her a note and and so I would I was always signing 
um, I'd, I'd write her a, a love note or something like that, and then I would always put the scripture here, Romans 16, 16, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss. And, 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 and it was a few months later, she finally asked me, why do you keep putting that verse on there? I said, well, I thought it was kind of neat, you know. And, and I said, saying I'm looking forward to seeing you and getting a kiss, you know. She goes, Huh? Well, she was reading from the Good News Translation. I mean, he had a Good News Translation, and it says, greet one another with a warm handshake. So she didn't have a clue what I was, what I was leading to at all. <laughs> and um, she's like, why are you putting that on there? Why, why is he saying greet one another with a warm handshake? I said, no, go get a real translation. <laughs> it's a holy kiss. And... Um, but anyway, it, it, it is, Paul is just saying that when we begin to accept one another, then we begin to love one another. Because you have to accept someone to be able to begin to really love them. And then when that love becomes evident, it, it begins to be that affection, that love, the care actually becomes visual in some way. It's not necessarily a kiss, but I'm just saying it's, it's, you could tell when people care about one another. Years and years ago, uh, when I first came here, um, we, we used to have a survey card that would go out to visitors. And it just had three questions. And it was like, the first one was, how did you find out about the church? Second one is, what, is, what did you like the most? And the, second one was, the third one was, what did you like the least? And we would put it, in, send it to them. We'd give them an envelope with a stamp and say, if you'll mail it back to us, we got a gift for you. And we would get over and over again, the, most, the number one thing was uh, on that first question was that everyone was so friendly and accepting. And, and I think that as time goes by, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we lose that because then what we're doing is we're looking for our bud to walk through the door or our BFF, you know, that kind of thing. And we're looking for them and then we're going straight to them and then everybody else is coming by and we're ignoring them. And we, so we have to learn to look at everyone walking through no matter where they are in their walk with God or even if they, you know, where they're at, that we need to accept them and we need to love them and we need to show that expression of acceptance. When Paul was writing this, I believe that he was trying to address two groups in culture that were looked down upon. And the first one was women and the second one was slaves. And, and um, because women were treated as second class and slaves were even treated lower than that, um, they were becoming to Christ. In fact, in Paul's letters uh, later on, he writes to the believers in other cities, and he's saying, those of you who own slaves, here's how you should treat them. And those of you who are slaves, he said, this is how you should serve your masters. Because he, was, he wasn't saying we should abolish it or whatever. He that was the culture. He was saying, but we cannot allow... Um, the message of the gospel or whatever to say, well, my boss is a Christian, so I shouldn't have to serve him so hard. 
I shouldn't have to, he shouldn't expect so much from me. I'm his brother, that kind of thing. And in fact, Paul said, if anything, you should serve him even more diligently because you're doing it as unto Christ and, and, and honoring Christ in doing so. And then he tells owners that you should treat those that, that are slaves in, under you with honor and respect and all of those things. So um, he's calling us to develop appreciation and love that will call, cause us to embrace one another. Um, Paul would tell us today, have fellowship time with one another. Get, uh, greet one another, talk with one another, encourage one another, pray with one another, all of those things. It's, so it's got to be more than just, hey, how you doing? Glad to see you. And then you don't, nothing, nothing goes beyond that. He's, he's saying gain an appreciation for them by getting to know them. Uh, the eighth command is serve one another. It's found in Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And so Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he, they were having at that time a legalism problem. And if you don't know what I mean by legalism, a simple thing is everything they did was because it was written in the law. If it was in the law, they did it. If it wasn't in the law, they didn't do it. And Paul was trying to address that. He says, you may be free from the law and from the bondage of the law because of Christ, but don't allow your freedom to become a license to abuse relationships or run over people or whatever. He said, don't hold your freedom in Christ as an excuse not to accept and honor one another. That's what, he, that's what he was trying to say. So he's saying, learn to serve. And Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to learn to serve one another. And so the way to go up is to go down. And so um, that's a command, to serve one another. Um, I think sometimes we think of serve to be servitude or something like that, but it's just honoring, putting other people before others. Um, uh, I'll tell you a, a real quick story along that line. When we first moved to Thibodeau, Louisiana, that first Sunday they they um, had a, they they announced that they were having a, a gumbo dinner after service, and that night they were going to have a pounding for the new pastor. I did not know what a pounding was. Does anybody know what a pounding is? You never heard that before. Yeah, that, that was new to me too. And it used to be years ago, a tradition, that like when a new pastor would come or whatever, everybody would bring a pound of flour, a pound of sugar, a pound of whatever, so they called it a pounding. But when they announced it, you don't want to miss tonight because we're going to have a pounding for the pastor. I was like, hey, I ain't showing up. I'm thinking this is the way you welcome people, you know, you're going to pound them, beat them up. And uh, so, but anyway, that, that morning after the service, they had a big gumbo dinner. They had like three or four pots like this big, you know, and everybody was going through the line and, and they had us at the front of the line. And, and now I, we had had gumbo before in Baton Rouge with some people when we worked for Norval Hayes and the, and the ministry and stuff. And it was, it was, a, it was incredible. This was my first time in South, South, South Louisiana. And uh, I got a bowl in my hand. They put some rice in it. 
and I go and I see three pots and it looks like dirty dishwater with stuff that's in there. I don't know what was in there. And the lady, one of the grandmas reached down and put it in my, my, my bowl and it was a chicken foot, a heart, and something else. And the man behind me goes, oh man, he said, God love you, man. He said, he gave you the best part. I said, he did? First of all, it really looked like dishwater. And, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I've been overseas and eaten a lot of things. But, man, this was like, I said, this is the best part? He said, oh, shit, man, that's the best part. So my little brain started thinking real quick. And I turned around and handed, tried to hand him my bowl. And he said, oh, no, man, he said, that's yours. He said, I said, don't rob me of my blessing. <laughs> so I got another bowl with rice, and I told that grandma, I said, don't reach so far down in that pot. <laughs> yeah, and so some, like, some chicken and that dirty dishwater stuff came up on top of the rice, and I said, thank you, and I went like this, and wasn't, I just turned to him, I said, that's a blessing now, that's a blessing and about that time, I heard plop, and she put my potato salad right in my gumbo. I said, why you did that? She said, where you want it? And I said, it not in my gumbo. Of course, now that's the way I eat it, you know. But, um, yeah, no, it didn't look good. didn't sound good, you know. And, uh, but it was the, it's the idea of just preferring someone over yourself, putting them, honoring them, serving them in some way. And... Um, uh, and, and, and just honor them. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just honor, learn, learn to serve, learn to honor. Um, the ninth one is to bear one another's burdens. I'm going to speed this up a little bit. Uh, Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. In the uh, CE version, it says, you obey the law of Christ when you offer each other a helping hand. Galatians 6 and 1 says it this way. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. I want to point two things out to you. This is really important, especially in the day and age in which we live. And, and the first word is caught. And it means one who has been snared, not someone who's deliberately done it, okay? Not that we shouldn't care about someone who's gone off and, and is deliberately sinning, but it talks about a person who's caught in sin. It's that being snared in sin. Um, and, and then he, when he uses the word um, bear uh, in verse 2, it refers to one who has a broken bone. So when, when the verse says, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Um, it is the picture of a doctor who's trying to reset a broken bone, but is being gentle about it. Um, I think I've told the story before. Um, the first time I ever broke a bone was this little finger. And it was in football in se se seventh grade. And I broke it completely off my hand. It, the only thing holding it was the skin. It just flopped. 
And, but there was one little tiny piece still connected, but it was basically just flopping. And it, if I held up my hand, it was down like this. And um, uh, my coach was a real tough guy, and he said, well, you sissy, go sit on the sidelines until you want to play some ball, you know. So I sat over there, and the assistant coach came and looked at it, and he goes, you really need to go to the hospital. I said, coach won't let me go. And he said, let me try and talk to him. So I sat there for like an hour plus. And finally, um, he said, you ready to go in to play ball, Zanini? And I said, well, I can't get my fingers to straighten up. And, and uh, the assistant said, he needs to go to the hospital. And so I lived on a military base. And if you've never been to a military base, you don't know what military doctors are like. They're kind of like John Wayne, you know, like if John Wayne was a brain surgeon, he would say, well, we're going to yank it out, you know, I mean, you know, and so the doctor said, oh, we're going to have to reset that bone. And so he put, he took a, a pen, a big thick pen, like a Mont Blanc pen, you know, it was a fountain pen. And he stuck it between that bone and that finger. And I was on one side of the gurney, he was on the other. And he said, this may hurt. And he pulled like that to pull that finger back in alignment. And I don't know how, but in that moment he pulled, I ended up on his side of the gurney and the finger was still hanging down. He said, son, you got to stay on the other side. And I said, not the way you're pulling. And, um, but he said, well, we just break it off again and then we can set it. And so he, he just snapped it right there without me even looking. I mean, I wasn't ready. He didn't say one, two, three or nothing. He just snapped it off. And I was like, ah. And so whenever I read that verse, I think of that doctor. Because he was not restoring with gentleness or anything like that. And, and um, I really point this out because we're living in a day and age when the church and the body of Christ is coming under attack. And many are falling snare. They're falling into traps. And, and this, I've seen this a lot in, in, uh, uh, with ministers. And um, they're, they're snared a lot of times for different reasons. And the church is quick to shoot their own wounded. But at the same time, there has to be restor biblical restoration. And... It's either one or the other, and, and Paul's calling for a balance here. You don't shoot your wounded. You, heal, you bring them to restoration, but you don't restore them with a slap on the wrist either. There has to be accountability, and we have an either-or a lot of times in the church. Um, and I've seen ministers, and I'm saying ministers be only because that's, my feet that's my sphere and i've seen many of them in atrocious sin and that went on for it wasn't like a one-time thing it went on for a long periods of time and they cry if they're even put on probation for like 60 days or 90 days or something in fact there would be many who would argue that they should never go back in the pulpit or whatever. I don't necessarily agree with that because the Bible says the gift and calling of God is without repentance so that God's call doesn't go away. But when it happens, there has to be restoration. 
and it has to be a proper one. And so I just, I just point that out to you because you're going to see more and more of that um, as time goes by. And you have to determine, was it malicious intent? Was it a, an ensnarement of some type? Um, I, I know a man years ago, a famous author, Bible teacher. He's still around. And he wrote a, an incredible book that was very powerful and impacted the body of Christ all over the world. And he was speaking at a conference, and there was a woman at that conference and said, I am going to seduce him. In less than a year, I will ruin him. And she did. And he fell. And his book was all about holiness and maintaining your boundaries and all of those things, and he broke those rules. And when it did, the church came out like wolves to tear and slash and whatever. Fortunately, he's been restored, and this was a long time ago, several, a couple decades ago. And he's still having a powerful influence in the body of Christ, but he was a broken person because of how the church reacted. And so we need to be careful that we honor one another, we accept one another, and realize that the Bible, and, and here's a point I want to point out. The Bible says, you who are spiritual should restore. That means there's, there's a level of spirituality that needs to be in the individuals who are going and confronting or restoring a person. Sometimes the restoring starts with an intervention or a confrontation. And if they're not spiritual, then it's going to be ineffective. I didn't mean to spend this much time on this, but I just felt impressed to point this out to you because this is happening more and more and more. As the days get darker and sin gets more prevalent, um, these kinds of things happen, okay? Number 10 says, forbear one another in love. Ephesians 4 and 2 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love. <clears throat> the message puts it this way. The word, the word forbearance means tolerance for another way, for one another. Okay? And um, the message puts it this way. Um, do this with all humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. I really like that. I really like that. Um, because we all have shortcomings, right? How many of you have lost it? I mean, just, just, you know, I mean, you just lose it. And then you, you know, um, we need to recognize that. And we need to be quick about mending fences. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Paul says to put up basically with the false and do everything to keep the peace in the body of Christ. And, 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 and he's basically saying, don't have a spirit of retaliation even when you have the power to retaliate. You know. Uh, number 11 says, encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. 
Three times in, in writing to the church in Thessalonica, Paul uh, tells them to encourage one another. So these are commands concerning one another, relationships in the body of Christ. And when the church begins to practice these principles, an amazing thing begins to happen. And when that happens, we take the acronym team, you're going to see it. It's just together, everyone achieves more. And so, and John 13, 35 says this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is Paul's admonition to the church. And he's still his admonition to the church that we are one another part of one body. And we need each other. We need each other for so many different things whether it's a right spoken word or whether it's just a smile or it's an, uh, an act of love or um, serving or whatever it is, it's just making one another better um, in, in Christ. And it builds and knits that unity that God wants so much for his church. Amen. Well, um, Wednesday night is our night of prayer. I've gone a little bit long here. I'm sorry. Well, we went long with worship tonight, too, and that was all right, too. Um, uh, we did something a little different last week in that we, instead of having prayer stations with different topics and people all over the place, we started putting up um, different topics on the screen so that we're all praying at the same time for the same things. And so we're going to take a few minutes, even it's 8.35. So the kids upstairs will be getting out in, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. So we're going to take a few minutes and pray. And I've kind of reversed the order this time. Um, Dustin, can you put my slide back up there? Okay. Um, we started last week with this, and um, but there were several we didn't get to, so I've kind of rearranged them a little bit. But we really need the spirit of repentance to fall upon our land, fall upon the church, and because God says, if you want healing in your land, there has to be repentance. And so I've kind of set that as as first for us to pray for. So let's just begin to pray right now. Father, we thank you that you came and chose us and you sought us out. And that, Father, that you came after us because you loved us, not to bring punishment or anything else, but, God, you did so by the Spirit of your, by your Holy Spirit who brought conviction upon our lives. And the Bible says that godly sorrow brings forth repentance. And so, Father, right now, we just pray for, I pray for a weeping to come across your church, your body, across our nation, Lord God, that they would realize things are not right. Things are not as they should be. They may not know what they should be, but, God, they know that it's, it's not right. And so they would begin to weep and they begin to cry out. And then, Father, your spirit would begin to show them areas in their life that they need to repent. 
for compromise that they've allowed to come in, for areas that they've allowed to come in that were once thrown out when the Spirit of God came and birthed new life in them. Father, the church has failed our nation greatly because we've allowed compromise. We've allowed attitudes of the culture to invade the church. We're, we are called to be, live holy lives. And yet, God, we, we think that somehow a little holiness makes us holy. And your word tells us either be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Father, pour out a spirit of repentance across our land, across our nation, across the churches. But I pray especially in the Acadiana area, Lord God, because it's the step to revival. It's the step to your Holy Spirit coming and moving in our families and in our homes and our in, 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 in the lives of our friends and neighbors, Lord God. Father, let us truly repent, not just in word, but in our hearts, and let it be seen through our lives, Lord Jesus, we pray. And now we pray for a revival, Lord. We pray for a revival on a local level. We pray for a revival on a national level, and we pray for a revival on an international level. Father, we need the spirit of revival Father, last week we watched on, as mainstream media covered the news of 4,500 people being baptized in the ocean out in the coast of California and 20,000 people showing up to watch it. God, it was more than just a spectacle. It was, it was heaven on display. And it was just the forerunner of that which is sweeping across our nation, Lord God. You are pouring out your spirit. There is a spirit of revival beginning to hit churches from the smallest to the largest, Lord God. Father, we just pray for not only our churches locally, Lord, that the power of your spirit would break forth and that the move of your Holy Ghost would go from the pulpit to the pews, Lord God. We pray for our, across our state, Lord, and, and, and our nation, and, and then beyond the borders of our nation, Lord. God, I look at Europe that was once the bastion of Christianity, and now it's become the, the, the very crux of, of secularism as churches are being closed and turned into restaurants and hotels and even brothels, Lord God. God forbid, let there be an outpouring of your spirit across the Eurasia area from South America, Southeast Asia. Lord, every corner of the globe, let there be a spirit of revival. God, even in the, in the book of, of Revelation, when the, the tribulation begins, there is an outpouring of your spirit and the word of God goes forth and tens of thousands upon thousands upon thousands come to the knowledge of Christ. And if, God, that can happen during that uh, horrific time, then, God, there is nothing that could stop you even now. We just pray, Lord, release it. Release it like God opened the floodgates of heaven and let it flow. Father, from one end of the, this nation to the other, sweeping everything in its path, Lord God. 
sweeping everything in its path, that true revival, not a fake one, not a facade of one. God, we don't need that. We've had too much of that for too long. Just a genuine move of God. That God, those who once knew you are once again convicted of sin. And God, they fall upon their face and they're met with the, the embrace of your love, God. And they come back and they're saying, my God is alive. My God is accepting. My God loves. My God, my God, my God. Father, we just pray that in your mighty name, let that spirit of revival be poured out, Lord God. And Father, now we pray for the local churches. We pray for the pastors and the elders and the teachers, the leaders of every church, Lord. We pray for the spirit of unity. We just talked about that. Father, you said do everything to keep the unity of the peace among the body of Christ. And Father, I know that many churches are, 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 are united together and, and But God, let them be united together, not outside your will, but united together going after you, Lord, going after you with all their hearts, Father. And Father, there are many times there are those who think they have influence. They're influencers within the local church, and they try and stop those things from taking place. They try and stop a move of God. Father, I pray either let your spirit be poured out and they repent of that or move those those influencers out of the way that the move of God would, would just flow forth, Father. And I pray that you would raise up uh, pastors and elders and leaders within each local church with a spiritual mindset, Lord, a spiritual mindset for the things of God and realize that the cru how crucial it is in this hour that we see things as they really are. And we have biblical answers and biblical responses. Even though the government may threaten us, the government may try and shut us down, the government may try and take away our possessions. God, those things will not silence us. For God, you've called us to preach the good news. And you didn't say preach the good news in the good times. You said preach the good news. And the good news usually comes in times when people need good news. So we pray for every local church, Lord God. Raise up, uh, I pray, a young generation with a fire of your spirit inside of them, Lord God. Father, that the Elishas would, be, would rise up and would sit under the Elijahs and learn, Lord God, and learn and serve so that when the time comes that, the God, they, are, they receive the mantle, that they would go forth and, and their words would be filled with power and anointing, Father, we pray. Now we pray for families. Father, we pray for siblings. We pray for children. We pray for our youth. We pray for marriages, Father. Father, we need the families to be strong. The culture of our day is trying to tear apart our, our families, rip the very fabric of our families, Lord. They're tearing marriages apart and and turning it on its head, Father, they're, they're, they're redefining what marriage is, and yet you already defined it from the very beginning when you created Adam and Eve, Lord God. Father, our children, and, and, and I pray for them, Lord God, and our children, 
that they would, they would see godly examples in the home because that's where they learn. That's where they learn more than anything else. They learn in the home. So, Father, let them see godly examples. And then I pray for siblings, sibling rivalries to be settled, Lord God, divisions among them to be settled, Lord God, and that people would realize that this is foolish to be living this way. Father, that they would just... They would break down the walls and they would break down the hardness of their hearts and they would settle differences that God, that, that they can only be settled in this lifetime because God, when it, when they're gone, it, it, it's done. It can't be settled. It can't be settled. And Father, I just pray that you would bring siblings closer together. Father, we have technology, and we think that that makes us close. But God, if anything, it really distances us even more because we've—it's we, become a, a substitute for 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 being there with one another. I thank you for the technology. I thank you for it. it it's wonderful for when our loved ones are far away, and and everything. But God, I just pray that you would just bind our families together, bind them together in the spirit of appreciation for one another, that God, the competitiveness that often exists among siblings would be, would be gone and that they would actually love one another and appreciate the differences that are in each and every one as you made them, Lord God. And Father, we pray for ministries, local, national, and international. Father, the, they're, they're coming under attack. They're coming under attack. There are those out that are out there that are trying to bring ministries down. The enemy is trying, the kingdom of darkness is trying to extinguish uh, powerful ministries that are out there. And when I say powerful, that doesn't necessarily mean large because there are many that are very small, but they're making a powerful impact against the kingdom of darkness. And so we pray, Lord God, that you would bring individuals that would uh, stand alongside leaders in ministries, Father, that they would, they would lift their hands, that they would lift their arms, that they would be there as a support, Lord God, and encouragement. And that they would would lift their leaders, Lord, uh, in prayer and and stand with them and offer words of encouragement to them, Lord God. And I pray that God, that the eyes of those who head up ministries, whether they're local or international, that their eyes would be open, and that there would be discerning and awareness, Lord, like they, like like maybe never before. Because this is the hour that the enemy is trying to tear down and trying to ridicule and trying to break, Lord, the work of the kingdom. And yet we know that you said you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But that means that the gates of hell, the very powers of hell itself, are coming against them. And so we pray for them, Lord. We pray for new ones to be birthed and brought up and, and, and begin. And that, Father, that they may start off small, 
But God, you sow the seed and the seed is sown. And you said the mustard seed is the smallest of all. And yet when it grows and into a tree, Lord, the birds of the air make their nest in it. So, Father, let us be faithful in the little things that ministries and areas of ministry that you have us in. Father, it can be a ministry that uh, is, is recognized as such, and it can be something as simple as teaching a class. But, God, that's a ministry. It's a ministry. And we pray for them. We pray for them. Give them wisdom. Give them strength. And, Lord, I know this too. Give them endurance that they would not tire, they would not grow weary. Because, God, that's the number one thing that so often happens. They become tired, make poor decisions, or become, they just quit. And they, they say, I can't do it anymore. Father, give them spiritual endurance, I pray in the name of Jesus. And then the last thing tonight, let's just pray for supernatural signs. The pouring out of healings and miracles, wonders. The Bible speaks of signs and wonders. And you say, well, what's a wonder? The things that God does that cause you to just stop and wonder and, and imagine how great and, and how incredible that is. The gifts of the Spirit to be released. And, and, and not that the Holy Spirit is holding them back, but he, he's looking for those who will move in them, who will let them flow through their lives and grow in them. Father, we just pray. We realize that none of us start out at the top in, in, in the gifts of the Spirit, but, we, Father, we grow in it. And, and so we take a step and we move in it, Father. I just pray for those who will say, Lord, use me. Use me. And then have the boldness to step out and be used. And not be fearful. Father, the most fearful thing that I can think of is not to be used. Because I choose not to. Fearful of man. Fearful of other people. Causes us to not move in the things of the Spirit. Your word says that you give gifts unto whom you decide at what time you decide for the need at that moment. And so, Father, let us not be locked into thinking, oh, I only have one gift, or I, I, I've only been used one way. God, we, we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit working in our lives and that means if he says, I need a person to operate in the gift of faith, or I need a person to operate in the gift of hospitality, or I need a person to operate in the word of knowledge, or I need a person to give a prophetic word, Father, that, that we will not say, that's not my gift. We will just say, Lord, use me for your glory, for your kingdom. And we thank you for that. And now, Father, I just pray for everyone that's in here tonight. They came tonight. They could have stayed home. I pray that they go home refreshed from a time in your presence, from the strengthening of your word, and the fellowship of believers one with another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.